0: Morning. Good morning. You see why uh, when Lisa and Daniel and Jimmy used to lead worship for me in student ministry, there'd be times where like I, I didn't get to even preach. <laughs> fine, Holy Spirit, be that way. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, so we're delving into this series called Transplant. And, uh, and when I say the word transplant, I want you to actually think about the medical procedures of transplanting an organ with another organ, and what that looks like is there is a a person who has sickness, who their only hope to have life is to have that organ removed, to only to, the only hope to have function in their life again is to have that particular whatever organ we're talking about removed and a new one put in from a donor, from someone who has it healthy. And in, I'm going to go ahead and give away the end. In our Christian example, the only one who has life, the only one who has perfection is Jesus Christ. And so when we take out ourself and the sinful junk, whether it's our heart or our kidneys or our brain, our tongues or our eyeballs, whatever needs to be transplanted is that we, through Christ, through this free gift of his salvation, we get to remove the junk stuff inside of our hearts, and God puts in the healthy, perfect stuff of him. We're talking about transplanting. Today We're is our second week. If you didn't get to hear last week's, I urge you to get on iTunes and listen to our podcast uh, from last week's message. It's a great just kind of launching podcast. Pl- place for transplant for the whole series. But today we're talking about a tongue transplant. So some of you maybe maybe are wishing that you would have wore steel-toed boots this morning. There might be some foot stomping. Not intentionally, that's gonna be your own foot stomping uh on yourself. But we're talking about do we need a tongue transplant? And this past couple weeks there's been a very interesting thing going on uh the in the internet. If you're familiar with Saturday Night Live, you know that it's their 40th anniversary this year. Now, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in years. Once Chris Farley passed away, I was like, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. Um, But I I feel, we could have a debate, but I feel like we've been going downhill ever since. Uh, But that's that's neither here nor there. They had the 40th anniversary. So all the big names from, from history past have come. And the internet's just kind of exploded with critiques and, and comments on the people that were there. This is—if you talk about SNL, it's one of the most culture-shaping organizations that we have in this country. You know you've made it when you have hosted SNL. You know you've made it when you're you're playing a couple songs at SNL. So think of some of the most memorable moments in our like in our history. Shane O'Connor ripping up the, po- the picture of the Pope. That was on S- SNL. Did you know the week after that, Jim Belushi taped up the picture of the Pope? No one ever remembers that because Sinead O'Connor never hosted, never was on again. She got kicked off. Lauren Michaels was like, no, that is not acceptable. That was totally unscripted. They did not mean for that to happen. So the next week they tried to repair it, but the damage had already been done. When you hold that much influence in culture, the words of your mouth actually matter, And it's not just with SNL. The words of our own mouth matter. And going back to this 40th anniversary thing, there's there's this big hubbub about Eddie Murphy. Now, Eddie Murphy is one of the funniest people alive. But after that, he did not do anything funny at SNL. Chris Rock spent like five months playing him up. Whoa, this is going to be hyping Eddie Murphy up. And Eddie Murphy's like, hey, how you doing? That's all he says. People are like, oh, Eddie Murphy's lost it. He's not funny anymore. Are you kidding me? Have you watched Shrek? <laughs> Exhibit A, right? <laughs> Kevin's got a bad cough. I'm gonna kill him <laughs> talking about Eddie Murphy. Um, but all these rumors about, oh, Eddie Murphy's, you know, he's on drugs and he's on this, and da, da, da. why was he not funny? Ah. And so a couple of days after that, Norm MacDonald starts tweeting out the real story of why Eddie Murphy wasn't funny. Norm Macdonald, not really known for subtlety, not really known for being nice, okay? He is probably one of the biggest jerks in SNL history, and he would probably go, yeah, thank you for that. I'll wear that moniker. That's okay. But he takes to Twitter to start to explain what was going on with Eddie Murphy. We've got them here. They're kind of small, so you might not be able to see them, but I'll read it anyway. Norm Macdonald starts tweeting out these different lines. He says, there's too many superstars to take in all at one time. I'm so happy my son could see them all. And then he tweets a minute later, and then comes Eddie. I'm standing with my son, Lori Jo, uh, my son, Lori Joe, and Chris Rock. We see Eddie from 100 yards away. Think about it, there's people everywhere, but this guy's persona is such that from 100 yards, and you're talking about the biggest stars in comedy history, and Eddie Murphy's persona just kind of like, whoa, in the middle of it all. There he is. He's gonna, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Chris Rock, who I think is one of the funniest people ever to like draw breath. We can talk about that and you can be mad at me if you want to be, but I love that guy. Says, there he is. It's like Ali in Zaire. Eddie Bomaye. Norm says it's my job into talking him and do talking him to do Jeopardy, meaning Celebrity Jeopardy. Where they, if you've never seen it before, it is one of the best bits. They do parodies of all these different guys uh, throughout history. There's great ones on Sean Connery and uh, just just hilarious stuff going through with that. Uh, But it's his job to talk Eddie Murphy into doing Celebrity Jeopardy. Celebrity Jeopardy is kind of the showcase. That's where you get to show off your impersonations. Who is better at these things than Eddie Murphy, right? This is his golden zone. He should be going, oh, talking him into doing Celebrity Jeopardy? Are you kidding me? He should be going, yeah, I got that by myself. I'll do all five characters at the same time. Right, That's what should be happening, but Norm MacDonald's tasked and spends an hour trying to talk Eddie Murphy into doing Celebrity Jeopardy. He says, uh, it's my job to talk him into doing Jeopardy. We talk in his dressing room for a good hour. When it's over, I'm convinced he'll do it. He doesn't. Eddie decides the laughs aren't worth it. He will not kick a man when he's down. Eddie was tasked to be Bill Cosby. He was tasked to be Bill Cosby, his, probably one of his idols. Now, I don't know what's going to go on with Bill Cosby, but is there ever, I mean, there's easy, easy punchlines, easy laughs, easy jokes that Eddie can just rip him into him and says, I'm not going to do it. Eddie decides, this is Norm MacDonald talking, Eddie decides that laughs are not worth it. He will not kick a man when he is down. Eddie Murphy, I realize, is not like the rest of us. Eddie doesn't need the laughs. Eddie Murphy is the coolest. A rock star, even in a room with actual rock stars. Think about the security. He knows the backlash in this last week. Eddie Murphy can't do anything anymore. I need this. I'm not going to kick a man when he's down. I'm not going to destroy him in this cultural, impressive time where I can. Everyone's wa- talking about the 40th anniversary of SNL. Everybody's watching it. People are people just keep on watching it, keep on watching it. They're gonna, everybody's talking about how Chevy Chase has put on a few pounds. They're talking about this going here and this is happening here. And that's so-and-so needs to eat a sandwich. I mean, I listen to it all week on sports radio. They weren't even taught, like, this has nothing to do with SNL, and yet they're still ripping apart and going play-by-play through the SNL skits. Eddie Murphy says, I don't need these laughs. I think I've earned it. I don't have to get people to laugh at Bill Cosby's expense. Think about the, I just am impressed with the the fortitude it took to say, nah, I'm not doing it. I don't care. And so we're going to talk about the tongue today. And usually I don't pick Eddie Murphy to be the the spiritual guidepost (laughs) (laughs) of of what we're doing. But in this instance, I think that illustrates it pretty well. There is a verse that my pastor in Georgia um, brought to our attention. And it's something that's used in our home. This was probably seven years ago. This sermon was preached. And... um, And since that time, it just keeps on coming back and up and up and up and and running into our heads. It's Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And we've kind of morphed this as to say, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And so whenever Jared gets a little snippy, Whenever things are going on a little, we want to get down on something, we want to destroy something. It's this reoccurring thing for the last several years. There's power of life and death in the tongue. Say it with me. There is power of life and death in the tongue. This is something that needs to be stamped on your heart and stamped on your tongue. This is something that we need to be replaying over and over again. There is power of life and death in our tongue and anyone who's gone through middle school knows that this is true you know words will never hurt me is a bunch of stuff they do hurt there's a lot of times in life i would have taken the broken bone over that person saying those kind of things there's power of life and death in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit now it seems to be that when we love using our tongue, we get the choice of what kind of fruit we're going to eat. Are we going to eat a fruit that tastes of death or a fruit that tastes of life? You following me. So as we ask the questions, "Do I need a tongue transplant?" we need to follow along with these statements. Who needs a tongue transplant? Everyone who is not speaking life. Do you need a tongue transplant? Or words of life coming out of my mouth? No, I need a tongue transplant. Who needs a tongue transplant? When the fruit of your life is spoiled. You can be very excited about eating that apple or that orange or that Tangerine or whatever it is, but if it's spoiled, your excitement goes to misery pretty quick, does it not? How does the fruit of your life taste? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In Growth 301, we do a spiritual gifts assessment. And this is really um, an interesting night where we're kind of working on how God has uniquely designed you and made you and set you for a purpose and how uh, that works in the kingdom of God. And that's what all 301 and 401 are all about. There is one spiritual gift that no one that gets it knows what it is. There's one. There's that 20, 30 that are listed there. There's one that people are like, I don't know if I want that one because they don't know what it means. It's exhortation. It's a funny word, right? Some of you going right now, dang it, I'm going to have to Google it right now. (laughs) It means to build up, to speak words of life. We don't even know what the word means. How foreign of a concept can it be to a group of people who who are chasing after God that we don't even know what the word means to build up in the faith? Exhortation, not extortion. People are scared. I got the gift of extortion. <laughs> You're on offering duty. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Exhortation. We don't even know what the word means. Listen right here. If we want to have an impact in this community, the quickest way to have an impact, the fastest way, it's not a new building, it's not me putting pretty paint on the walls, it's to be a body of believers that exhort people, that build up, that speak life. What happens when when the 120 of us gathered here today are the ones that are are bringing life into the restaurants after church? That when we walk into somewhere, that we leave it better than when we walked in. And we made smiles and we made laughter and we made hope happen wherever we're going. That's what the gift of exhortation is. And it's something that we can all strive to some of it, it, it comes easier to others. I don't have the gift of mercy. That may come to a shock to you. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't. But I'm still merciful. If you cut your leg off, I'm still going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, Patty. You cut your leg off. <laughs> you may not have the gift of exhortation, but I still want to speak. You still have the obligation and the duty and the, and the urging to speak life into people. You're like, oh, I don't have that gift. I can be a jerk if I want to be. No, there's power of life and death in the tongue. Are you following me? James 3. If you want to uh, read more about what uh, James, the brother of Jesus, thinks about uh, tongue issues, uh, James 3 is where you should spend some time this week. We're going to be at verse 9. Sometimes it praises, speaking of the tongue, sometimes our tongue, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No! You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. This is not the way it's supposed to be. There's power of life and death in the tongue. This past year, uh, my family got on the Daniel plan. Admittedly, Kelly has been way, way more adherent to the uh, Daniel plan restrictions. If you're interested in a, in a diet thing, it's a really cool thing. Kelly can talk to you all about it. And, you know, Perry's gone in lock stock and two barrels with eating spinach. Uh, so it's it's it's, it, it's a great thing. And it's a way in which combine um, uh, our Christian faith and study the scripture and eating right all together. It's a really, really neat study. Even one of our life groups did a um, small group on it. It was great. But we started to do that. And what we did was removed a lot of milk from our diet, a lot of, you know, all the soda from our diet, a lot of the sugar from our diet. And one of the interesting things we noticed is when we quit putting all this junk in is that when we did have the junk, our mouths felt different. Our teeth grew hair, right? You have a Pepsi after not having a Pepsi for a month, you're like, (sniffs) some of you are like, if you have a Pepsi at all, that's how it fails. (laughs) I think when we're speaking, it's the same kind of filter that we have. We should be, and this is what Paul's talking about in James, is when we speak and we speak death into something, our mouth should feel weird. It should feel like a film just came across it. It should feel like, "What am I? Oh, oh, what am I doing, Lisa?" Yeah. You know, when we lose that oh feeling, we got a problem. That means our filter quit working. Now, some of us were blessed with bigger filters and better filters than others. Mine's very, very small. We have a problem when those filters aren't working. We have a problem when when we don't feel the film anymore. We have a problem when we speak death and it doesn't phase us anymore. It should be physically hard to start cutting down and gossiping and slandering and lying about people. It should make us ill inside if we are going to have this tongue transplant. Far too often we've been drinking That Kool Aid, too much that it doesn't even phase us anymore. It doesn't even feel different. It's just what flows out. Isaiah 6 says Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Seraphim is an angel, which he had taken from the, tongues from the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Isaiah recognizes that he is a man who has spoken filth, and he is in the presence of the Lord, and he knows something has to change. And so he goes through this tongue transplant moment, where after that tongue transplant moment, he says, Okay, now I am qualified. I can speak. I can be a prophet. I can go do what God has equipped me. To do, but it takes this moment of realization I am unclean. The words of my mouth are trash. God says, Okay, you want to fix that? Here we go. And it's a tongue transplant. Now, I want to be clear I'm not just talking about curse words. To me, it really doesn't matter if a, if a word has four letters, or five letters, or six letters. That doesn't make it filth. What makes it filth is the intention of the words. What makes it filth is what the, what the goal of these words are. Are they to slander? Are they to hurt? Are they to tear down? Are they to berate? I guarantee you some of the har- most harmful things ever spoken to you were not curse words. Should we not cuss? Yes. Yes. I'm way more interested in the gossip and the slander and the lying. A tongue transplant is one of the most difficult transplants to perform medically. The first one was done in 2003. We've been doing like heart transplants since like the 50s, I believe. Think about that. The heart is easier than a tongue transplant. Why? Because it's filthy. It's the dirtiest place in your body. Think about that for a second. It's one of the most complicated surgeries you possibly can do. Because if your tongue's nerve endings don't adhere properly, your tongue is just going to get bitten off by yourself. You know, you've done that. The the Novocaine problem after a dentist, you try to eat something, and all of a sudden you got blood coming out of your mouth because you just went to hamburger on your, on your tongue. Maybe that's my own problem with, uh, <laughs> I can't wait long enough afterwards. I can't even taste it, but I got to eat. Uh, a willpower problem. Uh, but so they have to like, isolate every single nerve ending and they like hook them together in this weird braided nerve thing when they take a tongue out and put a new one in. Weird, but essential. Why do they have to do a tongue transplant? Glad you asked, Jimmy. You have to have a tongue transplant because of behaviors that you've had in your past. Tongue transplants almost always happen because of tobacco and of drug abuse. When you put poison into your body repeatedly... You are destroying the mechanism in which you can give life. Some of us are in a place in which we just keep on pouring poison into our body and it's destroying the effectiveness of our words. We have no hope of speaking life with a cancerous, diseased tongue. This doesn't happen overnight. These are habits that are formed. These are ways in which we have where our tongue has just become a cancerous instrument. No one wants to have a tongue transplant done. It's one of the easiest ones to get rejected because of all the infection that's in your mouth, all the germs that are in your mouth, all the stuff going on. That's an easy leap to take it to the spiritual. As we try to have tongue transplants, as we try to, to speak life from our tongue. It's so easy to flip back and to speak death. If you allow disease to fester, disease will grow. If you allow disease to fester, disease will grow. And we know this. We don't like it. We know it. It's like that that tooth they've been needing to go to the dentist for six months on but you've retrained your body not to drink coffee on that side of your mouth anymore or eat ice cream over there? But when you do, you, whoo hello! And now, when you go to the dentist, he's going to say, well, now, because you didn't come in a year ago, we get to do a root canal. If you would have came in, we would have done a $75 filling. Okay? If you allow disease to fester, disease will grow. What once might have been just a canker sore, now you need a tongue transplant. James 3, 5 through 6 says, But a tiny spark can set a great forest afire. And among all the parts of body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. This is his referring to a tongue. Having a tongue transplant is about giving your words to God. Because if your words are from God, your heart and your mind will be also. Think about it. Your tongue just doesn't automatically make words and spit it out, it doesn't come out with original thoughts. The overflow of your heart and the overflow of your mind, and when they work together, that is what comes out of your tongue. It's not the tongue's fault. It's a heart issue. It's a mind issue. It's out of the overflow of your heart and your mind. I want to concentrate. I want to think about giving my words over to God. That that is a symptom of my heart and mind condition. That when I have fully accepted the price and the the heart transplant that God has done in me, that that the words of my mouth can't help but be life-giving. There's power of life and death in the tongue. And the fruit of it. What is the fruit of your tongue? Is it life or is it death? As you look at your conversations, maybe even this week, maybe in the car on the way here, your spouse is kind of elbowing you or scared to elbow you right now. Because you know, if you ask yourself, if you're really seriously considering what's the condition of your tongue, you're going, hmm, this morning I kind of needed that transplant. You're right, Jared, it is a filthy instrument. How do we have this tongue transplant? Four steps for you. The first step of having a tongue transplant is stop talking. Can I get an amen? The first step of having a tongue transplant is to stop talking. Some of you, that is not hard at all. You don't ever talk. And you're probably right now, I shouldn't have said that. You said three sentences in the last week. It's okay. We're actually referring to Jared right now, okay? I, I told I told Jimmy and Kelly last night. I said, "Listen, today's message is—it's—I'm just talking to myself, and you guys get to listen to the to the thing, because my filter is not overdeveloped, okay? I, I fully understand this. It's—it's it's one of my things I've struggled with my whole life. It's like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta filter these things. I gotta—I just need to stop talking, stop talking, think about what you're gonna say." Is it giving death? Yes. Don't say it. Huh, that's how that works. Right? Second step is keep it clean. The second step is to keep it clean, just like in a tongue transplant, what you have to do, I bet you have to like live with a bottle of Listerine. Just like, I breathe, you know, gargling all the time to keep that clean because you don't want your tongue to be rejected. So if you don't want your spiritual tongue to be rejected, you have to keep what what you just did clean. How do you do this? I think you speak what is true. Stop lying. I don't lie. Really? You don't exaggerate you don't you do bump those numbers you don't play that up a little bit you don't go for that laugh mm-hmm. if you've ever been around someone who who tells those little lies all the time you've been around somebody like that drives you absolutely bonkers like, well, they'll lie about numbers. or They'll lie about, you know, what something is. I know you didn't do that. I was standing next to you. I know that's not how many, what, that was there because. Mm, kind of that vein pops out. You get a little headache going on. You ever been around that? You know, it drives you insane. If it drives you that insane about other people, are you driving anybody insane with your own behavior? Can you say that my integrity is impeachable? That, that what, the words that come out of my mouth, Are true. Keep it clean. Is it true? Do you know for a shadow of doubt? When you report, do you know what happened to Susie? Do you know that that's true or are you just making it up? Second is keep it clean. Third, actually, Colossians 3 8 through 10 says this. But now you also put them aside anger and wrath and malice and slander. This is how you keep your tongue clean. You get rid of anger and wrath and malice and slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Make sure the words of your mouth are true. The third is take your medicine. The tongue transplant is going to be rejected very quickly if you're not taking the immune suppressant Therapy, if you're not taking the drugs that keep your body from attacking the new transplant. What does that apply to us? Take your medicine. To me, it is an inundating myself with the Word of God. There is a reason that the Bible is called logos, the Greek word for word. These are the words we should be meditating on. These are the words that we should be speaking, This should be speaking. These are the words that should be on the tip of our tongue, the love and the grace and the peace that comes from the Scripture. Take your medicine. Bowen loves to take medicine right now. Why does Bowen like to take medicine right now? It's 95% sugar. I gave him a little sip of my Robitussin, Daddy's cough syrup. That sounded really bad, actual Robitussin. His face turned a little bit. Like, oh. He said, What flavor is that, Daddy? <laughs> I said, It's cherry. <laughs> no! <laughs> No cherries were harmed in the production of Robitussin. <laughs> what well, he did, he loves the medicine when it when it goes down sweet. But do we stop taking the medicine when we're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that scripture. Why don't you agree? Because it tells me to change. It tells me I'm doing something wrong. Take your medicine. The fourth thing is use it. Use your tongue appropriately. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? And is it helpful? That's a lot of filters i got to put through what I'm going to say, Jared. I'm not going to get my quick one-liners if I keep on thinking that way. Uh Uh-huh. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it helpful? No. Then don't say it. You might be true all day long. But if it's not kind, what's the point? If it's not necessary, shh. Go back to rule number one. Stop talking. As we chase after a tongue transplant, after we ask God for this move in our spirit, Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I want to be a life, and I hope you do as well, that the power of my tongue is life and not death. That the fruit that comes from my life is life, not death. I want to be someone who who speaks life into situations, not brings death and disappointment into situations. As a church, as as a body of people, as as a group of friends, as a group of people who are investing in each other, that we can be a body that speaks life into each other. The world is hard enough if we have to come in here and think about being around safe people and Christians and we think we're going to have to remove knives from our backs. Today, I want you to ask yourself the question, do I need a tongue transplant? As we pray, let's ask God to take our tongues and to give us his. Ben, come on up. God, thank you so much for today. And Lord, I know that I need a continual tongue transplant. I'm just glad that you don't don't give up on on making me anew and making me fresh. God, in this moment, in this day, here and now, we want to go from a place... And maybe some people and maybe in our own personal circumstances where we know we are bringers of death. And God, we don't want that to be us anymore. We want to be bringers of life. And that the fruit of our mouths be joy and peace and patience and kindness and no longer slander and lying and death and destruction. God, we ask for for you filter to be implanted into our mouths. That the words of our mouth are fully from the overflow of what you've done in our heart. God, will you take this tongue? Will you set it to your purposes? Woe is me, Lord. I am a man of unclean lips. Will you transplant so that I can faithfully say, here am I. Send me. In Jesus' name I pray.